Hello, welcome back everybody to another episode of Sip of Cocoa Podcast. I'm Justin. I'm Ashley. And uh, Deja Vu, we have a, a familiar guest on tonight, and that is a writer of way too many things, but most recently, uh, let's see here, we got a tomahawk coming out again, baby teeth, redneck, god country, uh, soon to be writing stuff from Marvel, which we'll get into, uh, Donny Cates. Hey, hey, hey. What do you mean, <laughs> too many things? <laughs> too many things to to list out in one breath that's that's what i mean because i did it that one time and then you still gave me shit for forgetting fucking star trek <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm an asshole sorry no <laughs> no that was deserved how could yeah. justin have forgotten star trek you don't forget about the enterprise bro no Nuh-uh. especially not like honestly your star trek stories are fucking dope so top of the list dude thank you I they really... are, because, like, I'm not going to lie, like, <sighs> Data, man, like, Data, <laughs> Data's head, specifically, awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, my God, I died. Um, yeah, go ahead, we can get into all this stuff. Um, okay, well, uh, how, how's life been since the big announcements? Um, uh, busy, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... Tension, um, uh, but that was already kind of ramping up uh, towards the beginning of this year with God Country and everything. So I, I, I am reticent to say that I'm used to it by now. But obviously, the Marvel stuff is a little bit bigger, you know. So, but yeah, it's fun, man. It's really fun. Other than Justin, have you been attacked by any like rabid fanboys yet? Oh God! Um, I know. G- I know Justin beats most of them off with a bat, but. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I guess we didn't mention detail for anybody listening that doesn't know, uh, Donnie recently, uh, got to announce that he signed an exclusive contract with Marvel Comics and announced two series that he's kicking off already, including the return to original numbering for Doctor Strange at 381, right? Yeah, 381. And, uh, getting to do, pick up Thanos after Jeff Lemire is done. So... Uh, what's, what was it like getting, uh, an exclusive? I imagine it was a lot of paperwork. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah a deal of paperwork. Really, that was the most exciting part of all paperwork. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the exclusive thing was something that I didn't really see coming whatsoever. I, um, I had only been, so even though Thanos got announced second, um, I've actually been on Thanos a lot longer than I've been on Strange. Um, and I had turned in, I don't know, two or three scripts of Thanos by that point. And I had just turned in, I think, my first issue on Strange. And um, Axel Alonzo called me, uh, and he was getting coffee. And um, what's weird about it is that when he said that he was downstairs getting coffee, I knew exactly where he was because I used to be an intern there, and I used to go and get people their coffee from that coffee place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so I could, like, hear all the noise in the back when he was talking to me. And um, Axel's was a great guy, and we and we uh, had a really good working relationship and everything. And it wasn't um, all that unusual for Axel to call me um, at that point. And Axel called me and uh, um, 
because I'm in Texas and they're in New York, I'm constantly playing catch up with them because they're, you know, an hour ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like he had called me on like what would probably be his lunch break and I was just waking up because I'm, you know, um, I don't really ever have to like wake up at any time because I'm lazy. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so he called me and I was all groggy and stuff, but I tried to like jump out of bed and be professional. Um, and he just cut right to the chase and he was like, how would you like to come and write for Marvel exclusively? And um, I've been waiting on that call kind of my whole life. Uh, it's kind of always been a dream of mine uh, to be a Marvel uh, exclusive writer and, uh, you know, be in the retreats and, uh, you know, just be in that world and play in that world and everything. And certainly ever since my internship, it's been a big goal of mine to, uh, at least metaphorically speaking, get back into those offices because I loved it there. Um, and so to answer your question, I, 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 I tried to not cry on the phone. Um, <laughs> and Axel um, said, you know, you don't have to answer right now. You know, take time to think about it. And I was like, no, I'm good, dude. I can I go ahead and answer right now. It's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm good all that. Um, so, yeah, so it was, it, was, it was amazing. And then, like, as soon as you hang up the phone, it's just like with every everything in comics. It's that moment of, like, um, it's like when you're pitching a book. And you uh, you pitch a book and you pitch a book and then finally get it approved and you have like a minute or so of like oh my god that's so amazing and then that wears off and you're like holy shit I have to write that book now <laughs> like, oh no you know and so I was like really stoked about the Marvel exclusive and it was kind of like the top of my mountain uh, career wise um, and then yeah I hung up the phone and I was like holy shit now I have to go and like not fuck that up I have to go and like not do a bad job and, and actually kind of honor those characters and stuff. Not that I wasn't already doing that, but, you know, there is a little bit of an extra level attached to it when you join the ranks of the exclusive writers. Um, so, yeah, it was a trip, man. And then paperwork came in and everything, and um, I, I didn't mean to really do this, but on June 15th, I was at a Heroes Con, and I hadn't signed the contract yet. And I had it sitting in my inbox for a little while now. I had my attorney look at it and everything. And um, my attorney had emailed me uh, that morning and, uh, and, and, and it said, you know, hey, it all looks good and everything and blah, 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 blah. And you can go ahead and sign us whatever you want. And I looked up and I was, I was at a Heroes Con and I was busy all day and everything. So I never had time to get around to the computer. And I looked up and it was June 15th. And I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to wait one more day so that the date on my Marvel contract is 616. Uh. <laughs> and so I did. I woke up bright and early the next day and went and got a coffee and uh, went and found a coffee shop with a computer and sat down and signed it. That's on awesome. That day. Uh, and, then, and then had to go into Heroes Con and not tell a single person, uh. <laughs> which was infuriating. The pain, like, dude. Ear to ear and like nobody knew why. They're like, man, Donnie's in a really good mood today. Man, did Donnie start doing cocaine? Like, what is up with him? <laughs> that was his cover. He's like, it's a, it's a, just a cocaine. It's just habit. a, it's just a coke. It's, it's just, just a, a coke edition. <laughs> well, can can I ask what what goes into a Marvel exclusive contract? Because I know that there's been a lot of confusion, kind of on the fan uh, side of things, of what you can and can't do now. So, what does that mean? for your creator-owned uh, works and for potentially future creator-owned works? Well, obviously, I can't really get into the 
my contract. Right. Um, uh, in fact, the majority of the contract expressively states such a thing. Um, <laughs> that sounds about and, right. Uh, yeah. But I, but I will say, in 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 my negotiating with Marvel, um, it was very much a thing of like, you know, I do have these commitments and these books that I'm already doing, and I and there's people who are working on these books, and um, it'd be really unprofessional of me to have to come over there and tell them, hey, you guys are all out of jobs because yeah. I'm going to go and do these things. Um, and because that's a lot of work. Now, creator own works and creators doing big two things and um, their own creator own works is pretty par for the course. It's not anything that Marvel's not used to dealing with. So what it, what it was was um, Marvel building into the contract exceptions for things that I could continue to do and things that I could do in the future mm -hmm. um, while also detailing um, the specific, how do I say this, without, um, the specific um, agreements upon how many books I'm going to be writing for Marvel and the duration of time by which I'll be writing them. How's that for a legal answer? I was going to say that sounds like a lawyer wrote it. I, I approve. Uh -huh. I approve. So to, to be really simple and, and to make it really easy to understand, I am very happy with the contract. They are very happy with the contract. Um, Skybound, Image, Aftershock, Vault, everyone's fine. Everything is fine. Um, there's certain things that I can't do uh, in the next you know few years or so. Um, but to be perfectly honest, I'm at a kind of a saturation point as to how much work I could do anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. you're doing a lot, man. Right now, um, writing uh, Redneck, Baby Teeth, Reactor, Thanos, and Doctor Strange. Um, and there's going to be some new things coming soon um, uh, from assorted publishers um, that are all kind of <laughs> built into the same contract. So. It's, um, you know, it's, I know it's very confusing to people online because they hear that exclusive contract and they're like, oh no, Redneck's going away and, you know, all these things are going away and they're not, I promise. I would never do anything that would take away, um, Redneck or Baby Teeth. Because, oh boy, those have been, those have been roller coasters so far and I am so <laughs> on board with both of them. Yeah. Like. Oh, thank you. It's. Yep, I'm. I'm not gonna lie. Spoiler alert here, but like when Grandpa's leg, like, oh, when JV takes out it, takes out his legs, I was just like, ah, but ah, yeah, emotions, so many emotions, <laughs> I was dying. Well, wait till you get to issue five and six. Oh yay, good. I was. Just, I was just gonna ask, is because five or six is that the end of the first arc? Which one? Six. Okay. Every That's... arc is six issues. Yeah. Cool. Oh man, I I love that it's in real time too. That makes me very happy. That what? That it's the ba oh no, baby, baby teeth. teeth baby teeth time. is in real time. No, redneck is not. Here we are. Look at how professional yeah, I am. Redneck is in vampire time. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, it is. Meaning that it's just perpetual night for for issues at a time. Hell yeah. That's I'm okay. Um, with it. I'm so okay yeah. with that. Go ahead. Sorry. We're just saying we are we're okay with with vampire time. Oh yeah, got to. In fact, the only time that you had it be sun sunset or you know the sun was out in that book, uh, horrible horrible things happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that I want I want you to keep in mind the phrase that you just said, uh -huh. and um, when 
you finish this arc, you'll understand why I told you to keep that in your head. Okay. I like that. It's mysterious, Donnie, but... Donnie, you're always the best at teasing. <laughs> but also the worst. You and Taylor Esposito, I swear to friggin' God. Oh, you... well, me and Taylor both are a, a fucking vault full of secrets. <laughs> that guy works on a billion books. <laughs> I know he does. He's like a labyrinth. <sighs> we gotta get him back on, too. If he's ever not working. I know. That's, he never is really? not. So yeah, um, one another book you you mentioned it. I didn't mention it the, at the beginning. Uh, Reactor is coming, which is the the sequel to Interceptor. Talk and about more vampire yeah. time. My fucking hype could not be higher for that book. I want that book to be <laughs> out now. I want, <laughs> want it in my hands. <laughs> so, Man, um, I just actually finished today writing the uh, last issue of Reactor, which is issue four. Um, Reactor and its sequel. Uh, are both four issues long, which means that because Interceptor chapter was five issues long, when it's all collected into one big thing, it'll be 13 issues long in total, which is baller. Um, <laughs> you know, the number of the beast and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I got to say, Reactor is just, um, I don't know, it's so much fun to kind of step back into those characters, into that world, because there was absolutely a time when Dylan and I thought that we were never going to get to finish the plan that, that we had. And there's this document that's lived on my computer, and it's called the Thrilogy, um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, and that's what the collection will be called. It'll be called Interceptor: The Thrilogy. That's awesome! Uh, oh my gosh, that makes and, me so happy. Uh, it's it's something that we've always wanted to do, and it was how the document was presented when I first came to the team and everything. I presented them with this three act thing that we we're going to do, um, and. It's, uh, it, I don't know, it's just great to kind of step back into it and get back to Polly and, and Weep and Randolph and Reek and Woe. Um, uh, well, Arden's not there anymore, and obviously Matilda's not there anymore, but right. we have a new foil in the form of King Luke, and <sighs> uh, King Luke is nothing to fuck around with at all. I love his, um, his fucking owl. So badass. Yeah, yeah, she, uh, she's great. So the, the, owl, the owl comes back for sure. Um, as the palace, uh, palace uh, comes to Earth. Oh, wow. Um, and it is not great. Uh, the promise of the last issue, the final scene of Interceptor number five, where uh, the president, President Dom O'Connor, um, says that he wants Earth destroyed, is, uh, uh, is not forgotten about. I'll say that. Um, and Polly is not thrilled with any of the people around her, except for her, her, her little... Um, a little band of, you know, vampire slayers. <laughs> so, I gotta say, I know that this is completely not accessible right now until a little bit later in the year, but Reactor number three opens up with maybe the coolest action sequence I've ever, I've ever written in my whole life. Oh, wow. Uh, it is, it's, I can't say another word about it, <laughs> so, but it is, um, typically with action scenes, I, 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 I leave it up to the artist to choreograph it and everything, and, um, you know, I'll put in little notes of it, just like, hey, we need to get her here, or him there, um, and then, you know, these people fight for these many pages, and then we get over here, you know, because um, after working with Daniel Warren Johnson, I was like, well, artists just know what they're doing way better than I do, um, <laughs> but, but for reaction number three, I had such a very clear idea, idea of what, um, of what this character was going to do, and choreographed the whole thing myself and it is it's just so 
satisfying. You're going to love it. So you can't describe the scene, but if there was like a a song or like a like a soundtrack that you would accompany with this scene, uh, is there one? Um, well, that's a great question because um, anyone who read Interceptor or who follows me on Twitter knows the issue names of every single issue are just the names of songs that I've scored each issue to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every issue is just the name of a song, right? And that issue's name is, um, I think that issue's name is Cold Blooded, um, and it's a Judas Priest song. Yeah. And then the issue after that is called Turbo Killer. <laughs> <laughs> and it is exactly what you think it is. It's just the most metal shit I've ever written in my life. Well, that, that means that you're making good on, on Interceptor's promise of shit getting metal. Which... Oh, dude, yeah, for real. And actually, it's funny. It's funny you say that because I had forgotten about that line. And the other day, I was reading back to Interceptor to uh, get a, get some reference on something, and I saw that line, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it sure does." <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> wow, it, it really, really does. That was yeah. That line stuck out for me. I, I love that line because I use that line. So. <laughs> Shit gets metal. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, and, and Weep's a little bit older. Um, you know, Weep's probably in her early teens now and is um, meaner than when we left her. Um, and Weep was always a little mean um, and a little tough, but uh, nowadays it's all of that plus, like, teenage angst. Oh, yes, um, I love teenage girl <laughs> angst. <laughs> it's and, the um, best angst. This idea of kind of somewhat trying to rebel against her surrogate mom, who is Polly, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we find Polly and Weep, they're... I mean, saying that they're on the outs is not necessarily apropos. It's just that Polly is... Um, you know, Weep's not exactly the, you know, cold-blooded little girl that she used to be. She's a maniacal kill machine with, you know, hormones. And so <laughs> Polly's just doing her best to try and put up with her. Yeah, both of their Polly and Weep's uh, redesigns, man, Dylan just killed it. They look awesome. Yeah, it was very weird to me. Um, my wife and I, uh, just the other day, we watched the new Ghost in the Shell with oh. uh, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's just Polly. What the <laughs> hell? Like, she has the she same wants- haircut and everything. I'm going to say that that makes me want to watch that movie. I had no interest before, and now I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds good. Yeah, just go watch the Ghost of the Shell film and just pretend it's Polly. Because that's what I did. I actually really enjoyed it. I've never seen the anime, uh, so I'm sure it's way different and, you know, very sanitized, but I I rather enjoyed it. Um, You know, Scarlett Johansson is always best when she's playing, um, you know, uh, quiet, robotic, Mm-hmm. Um, so that one worked really well. Um, so my new Hollywood pitch is just like Ghost in the Shell, but with vampires. Like, how <laughs> does that go. not work? It doesn't. It it definitely works. <laughs> Still like, holding out hope with that film going to happen someday. It's probably not going to, but I would I would love that. Oh, but that'd be cool. It'd be the best. Speaking of like, I just want to do it as an anime. That'd be perfect. Yes. that would be perfect. 
Absolutely. Uh, I was going to say, speaking of like TV and movie options uh, with uh, Skybound doing an Amazon deal, dude, I am holding, I'm like, I'm ready to, to start like a petition for a Redneck series. <laughs> he is. That's a good safe answer. And he said no more. <laughs> yep, that was a very a that was a very answer. lawyer approved answer. Yep. Good job. <laughs> we're we're testing you here. <laughs> um, God, you have so so much going on to talk about. Like, um... well, I mean, so Doctor Strange. I personally love Doctor Strange, and have really thoroughly enjoyed what's currently been going on with. With the Doctor Strange character, but I'm not gonna lie, I'm super stoked to see what you have to do, because um, we've kind of seen a Doctor Strange play in Buzzkill, <laughs> and like if if like if you make Steven even half as cool as that dude, like we, I'm gonna be so happy. <laughs> yeah, um, well, uh, you know, uh, I gotta get my tap shoes on now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, I don't think it's a secret whatsoever that, um, you know, it's been talked about that Loki is the new Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. Um, and uh, where we find the good Doctor Strange uh, in this book is somewhere um, completely unexpected. Uh, no one's ever going to see it coming. It's going to be uh, somewhat shocking as to where he's found himself these days. Um, uh, um, how do I do this? Um <laughs> <laughs> myself because everything that I've said so far in interviews has been vetted by Marvel so as long as I just dance within the lines that are already set for me I'll be fine mm-hmm. um, you know I'll say this like Loki uh, Loki being the new Sorcerer Supreme is not something that is going to be some kind of a cheap trick where it's oh the whole thing was a dream or a spell or you know anything like that like that is really what's happening in that book and I will say that I've, I've heard a lot of people um, react to that premise and say like, oh, it's just another, oh, the bad guys are the good guys story now. And I think that um, while it's easy to say that, I think that what people are forgetting is the complexity of a character like Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, Loki is not a Dr. Octopus or a Red Skull. Loki um, vacillates wildly between um, nefarious god and playful mischief maker and trickster and then even sometimes out and out hero you know Mm -hmm. um the journey into mystery arc when when loki was reborn um by thor it was brought back and was trying to um get it right on a second time around and then going from that into um you know his current incarnation what you're seeing is a brand new loki and what you're seeing is a is a is a very different loki from perhaps his kind of mustache twirling roots. Um, and you know, I think that a lot of people are going to think that when you pick up this book, you're going to be saying, um, "I'm glad I took a breath there because I was about to say, say something bad." Um, <laughs> I think that let me rephrase what I was about to say. I think that it's going to surprise a lot of people um, the kind of situations in which we find both characters in. Because while Loki's on the cover, um, and while Loki is a Sorcerer Supreme, this is a Doctor Strange book. And this is Steven's story. And this is his life and um, somewhat 
the journey that Steven goes on to reclaim his title and to the lengths that he will go to to be back in the place where we know and love him. Um, that being said, uh, that all sounds pretty easy and pretty straightforward. Anyone who's ever read anything that I've written knows that that is not going to be the case. Um, in fact, uh, you know, Leaning Cool, I think, talked about it today that I said in an interview that um, there's going to be something happening in this arc that is one of the biggest um, uh, moments in recent Marvel history. And uh, I saw them kind of making fun of me because they say, and they say, and they very correctly said that that's just the kind of thing that Marvel writers have to say in their interviews. Right? Because, you know, we're all trained to say, like, oh, it's going to change everything. Um, but I, I'm very confident in saying that this specific event, um, this specific moment, is going to be a big deal. Um, and it's something that I put into the pitch when they asked me to pitch on Doctor Strange. There's a moment that, let me backtrack for a second. These days, when I'm, uh, so I did, I did a, I did one Marvel story back in the day. It was a Secret Wars tie-in book. Yeah. Um, and um, while I, I think that book turned out pretty well and everything, I think that, if I may, my failing on that story was that when I pitched, I pitched very conservatively. I, I went in and I had this attitude of, I don't want to get in anyone's way. I don't want to, I don't want to you know, um, cause any kind of a dust-up, so I'm not going to request any big characters. I'm not going to do anything too big. I'm just going to play it safe, right? Because it was my first Marvel gig, and I was scared, and I was overwhelmed and everything. And so I made a kind of a promise to myself that, the next time that I ever got a chance, if I ever did get a chance to pitch on a Marvel property, I was going to go real hard in the paint. And I was going to pitch the craziest thing, you know, not necessarily big just for big sake, but just whatever entertained me. I was going to pitch a Marvel story that I wanted to read, you know, and I wanted to just use every character I wanted, and I wanted to use all the toys, and I wanted to do whatever I wanted, including, you know, the most insane, brutal shocking, twisting things, you know, and the first time I ever did that was on Thanos, when they, when they, um, when they called me and offered me Thanos, I had, they said, like, hey, just, like, take a week or so, and, uh, you know, get us a pitch together, um, I sent it back to them in, like, two days, it was, like, 14 pages long, and I, I just shot the moon on it, man, I, I went crazy, um, and in my head, I was just like, well, you know, I'm going to put these things in here because they, they entertain me and they're, they're big and they're, and they're bold and they're crazy. And I just assume that they'll entertain the editors too. And they'll maybe see that I'm passionate, but obviously they're, they're obviously they're not going to let me do all these crazy things. You know, these are things that like Jason Aaron or Bendis does. Like these are big changing <laughs> moments, you know, and obviously they're going to let, let me do these things. But I'm going to put them in there anyway. And to my utter shock on Thanos, they said yes to all of it. That's so uh, cool. They came back and they just said, yeah, let's do it. That's great. Let's, let's just do all of it. Oh, my like, gosh. Real all of it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, Even the dumb thing that was in there, like, that, just dude. for me, right? <laughs> and then, it, you know, it was one of those moments, just like I was talking about earlier, where you, you 
get really excited, and then you realize, like, oh my god, I have to do those things. I am now, like, historically speaking, the dude who did those things. Holy shit, what a trip. And so then, you know, I was kind of riding a little hot on Thanos. I was like, man, that was, that was easier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, and so, uh, to get back to, you know, this quote-unquote shocking thing that I was talking about in that article, um, when they invited me to pitch on Strange, I had a specific thing that I wanted to do. I wanted to do this one thing um, in a book that is already filled with upside-down twists and turns and huge moments. There was this one thing I wanted to do, and again, it was one of those notions that I'm just going to put it in the pitch and let it ride, and maybe they'll just think that that's a cool thing, but they're not going to let me do it, and they said yes to it. And um, that one, I'll tell you right now, just to speak to the magnitude of it, that one, my immediate editor who read it came back to me and said, that's really cool, man. I don't know, though. Like, <laughs> I, I really like it, but I don't know. We're going to kick up the food chain to <laughs> see, like, what people think about it. But I just, just to let you know, there's a big chance here that this is not going to go down. And I was like, okay, yeah, 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 totally, totally, totally. And then it went all the way up the food chain and came back down, and they said yes. That's and I, I am still like shaking from them saying yes to it. So I know that none of that is um, uh, is particularly giving anything away, but I don't want anyone to even have any hints about this thing um, <laughs> until the day it comes out. I really am like crossing my fingers that no one no one spoils it or it gets out there somehow. So, uh, but yeah, uh, keep an eye out for that. That's coming in November. Right, yeah, um, yeah. I saw a thing today on Twitter. Somebody, I guess, got a read it or something, and said that page three of that issue is the best page of comics they've ever read. So, oh, and that was my editor Nick Lowe, and that and that was actually the issue after. No, no, no. That yeah, yeah that that same issue. Yeah, he said that he really really liked issue three of that, that issue. Very cool. But yeah, I don't know. I, I you know I I hope that I'm not overhyping it. I probably am. Uh, there's probably a lot of people who are going to read it and go, oh, for real? Oh, <laughs> but to me, to me, to this Marvel fan, it's a big deal. Uh, so nice. we shall see. Yeah, I was going to say, you mentioned uh, Loki being on the cover. That's so cool. You had a Mike Del Mundo cover for your first freaking cover. He's doing the whole run. That's so cool. Oh, my gosh. He's doing, he's doing um, it's, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, I'm very, it just, I mean, I, I really won the lottery on my creative team on both those books. I mean, uh, Walter, uh, who is just obviously phenomenal. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And you guys have no idea. I mean, I've been getting these pages in my inbox, and they are just out of this world, man. Um, and then getting Jordi Belair, who is one of my dearest friends, and I've always wanted to work with her, um, and, and we finally got a chance to do it. Um it, it, it's awesome. And having Mike Mundo on covers is obviously just, I mean, is there a better, a better cover artist out there besides Mike? I mean, God, I mean, he's at least top five, you know? Oh, yeah. And then Thanos, I mean, I don't need to tell anybody how happy I am that my creative team on that. There's this uh, up-and-coming young man named Jeffrey Shaw uh, <laughs> who is going to be joining me on Thanos. And... Um, to be able to, to be able to, 
into what was and still is my first big Marvel book with my best friend and to have his support and to have this guy that I can lean on and that I know, you know, is just going to crush it every time. It gives me a level of confidence in my scripting to be able to know what Jeff can pull off and be able to know how it's going to look and be able to have this like visual artist, like visualization. Uh, visualization of how the art's already going to look in my head, and then obviously it comes in and it's just out of this world. Yeah. You know, Jeff has, um, anyone who's followed Jeff's career, uh, you know, from Buzzkill to Payback to God Country, has seen Jeff slowly level up on yeah. every book. That's what and, I, yeah, I said that on our God Country review, is that it looks like he's just getting even better and better with every book. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you've seen on Buzzkill, which was this kind of like, scratchy, frenetic style, and then on Payback, you saw this kind of more um, cartoony kind of a style, and then on God Country, you really saw Jeff open up emotionally and um, go both very, very small and quiet, and also the biggest and loudest bombastic things ever, and then what you're going to be seeing on Thanos is Jeff Shaw going cosmic yeah. in a insanely brutal way I mean uh, you know Jeff was um, Jeff was offered Thanos I think like the day after I was offered Thanos um, and Jeff had already agreed to do this other book um, somewhere else uh, with me um, and um, <laughs> so we had a big long talk about it on the phone and I'd like you to draw um, this thing that we had already planned on doing, but if you want to do Thanos, dude, I'm not going to stand your way, obviously. Like, I'm your, I'm your boy. Like, whatever you, whatever choice you make, I'm going to back you, right? Yeah. And he was like, well, can I, he was like, can I, can I, can I hear a little bit more about what the Thanos story is? And I was like, yeah, absolutely, man, you got time? And he was like, yeah. And so we just got on the phone, and I just told him the whole story. It was like two hours on the phone. I just walked him through every every step of every single issue. By the time I was done, Jeff was just like, well, fuck, dude, I'm going to go draw that. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Jeff's first response, I'll never forget this, the first words out of his mouth when I got finished telling him the whole story was, wait, Marvel's going to let you do that? <laughs> <laughs> like, for real though? Like, Marvel's really going to let you tell that story? And I was like, yeah, dude, yeah. And he was like, well, I'm in. Let's fucking do it. Like, absolutely, you know. Um, so, yeah, man, to have Jeff on that book uh, is just is a dream come true. Um, and uh, and to be following such a killer run as, as, as Jeff and Mike Diodato, uh on Thanos is just insane. I mean, talk about, okay, talk about following runs and the pressure yeah. that I'm under right now. I was going to ask you about I'm that. Calling, I'm following Jeff and Mike Diodato, right? Yep. And if that wasn't a big deal enough, I'm following Jason Aaron. <laughs> oh. Are you kidding me, dude? <laughs> that dude sets Justin, such a high bar. You guys know me. You guys know my unabashed love for Jason Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When like he's my favorite. Right? Jo- 
Justin, as much of a fan as you are of my work, I'm as much of a fan of Jason. That's nice. Like, you the, really like Jason's the, stuff, then. <laughs> dude, I, he's the best writer in comics. I mean, it, to me, it's not even debatable. I mean, Jason is the top of the food chain, man. And I gotta tell you, when, when Axel called me and offered me Doctor Strange, um, it was actually between Strange and a different book. Um, and I, I had already kind of, um, I had already kind of done a little bit of work in my head on the other book, um, just kind of figuring out what I might want to do about it. I was really excited about it. And then I called Axel and, uh, told him what I wanted to do in that book. And then, um, during that conversation, he brought up Strange and how he really thought that he'd really like to see a Donny Cates, uh, uh, Doctor Strange book. And I was like, my first thought, you guys, immediately was, no way. (laughs) No way, dude. There's, like, I would, I love Doctor Strange, I love that book, but there's no way in hell I'm about to go up after Metallica. (laughs) No way. And, 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 and I'll tell you what, it was, Axel telling me who the creative team was. It was Axel saying it's Gabriel and it's Jordy mm-hmm. and it's Mike. And I was like, well, man, I was like, even if I fuck it up, it'll look gorgeous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, there's only so bad that book can be in the hands of Walter and Jordy and Mike. But, like, you know, it's funny. Uh, there was a con that I was at, and by this point, Jason knew that I was going to be taking over Strange. And, um, it was towards the end of the night, and we were all in, like, the hotel bar, and um, I was going around. I was going in early. I was, like, going to bed at, like, 9 o'clock, like a loser, and um, I passed by Jason's ta- table, and he was sitting with, like, Scotty Young and uh, some other friends of mine and stuff, and I, I just said goodnight to them all, and Jason was like, what are you doing? Why are you going to bed so early? And, and you guys have to understand, Jason and I, while... Um, um, we, we get along and I, I, at this point now, I feel comfortable talking to him and stuff. We are not what you would call like friends, friends, you know, like we're super friendly. And if I found myself out to eat with Jason, he was there, it wouldn't be a big deal at all, but we're not like, you know, boys, you know, like it would be weird if Jason called me on the phone, like I would freak out, you know, (laughs) Um, I still regard him so highly. And so for him to kind of be like, where are you going? Why aren't you hanging out? I was like, fuck, well, I want to hang out so bad. Um, but um, I was like, well, I got to go to bed early, man. I got to get up in the morning and write. And he was like, what are you working on? And I was like, well, I mean, you know what I'm, I mean, right? Like, you know. And he was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was my first issue. I had to do, I had to begin on my first issue since the next day. And Jason was just like, you're starting on Strange in the morning, huh? And I was like, yes, sir, I am. And he just leaned back in his booth. He leaned back. And up until this point, um, I didn't notice this, but he was wearing a, um, a button-down shirt, uh, like a short-sleeve button-down shirt and a T-shirt underneath that. And he just leaned back and he spread his arm, which uh, exposed that his T-shirt was a Doctor Strange shirt. <laughs> and he just looked me dead in my eyes and he goes, don't fuck it up. Oh! <laughs> Damn. And I said, and I laughed, and I said, Jason, that is all I can do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my man. gosh. So, yeah, I mean, to me, it is very unusual um, to, like, in the kind of grand pantheon 
Doctor Strange whenever there's like a, a list of like a Wikipedia list of authors who have written this book and it'll at some point me and Jason's name will be next to each other very 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 odd to me and to me it's like which one of these things is not like the other <laughs> like oh, how did this kid sneak in here you know so I, I've never felt more paralyzed on a book besides Strange like it was a real real big struggle for me um, to get my head wrapped around what I was going to do on that book um, Thanos came to me really quick I I, I um, weirdly enough and maybe a little unsettlingly uh, I tapped into Thanos' personality pretty quick <laughs> which, um, which is what the other Bleeding Cool article was about today um, I and I yeah. people have been making fun of me today but honestly um, yeah Thanos really did give me fucking nightmares man and it really fucked me up when I first started writing that book because Thanos is just you know fucking he's the devil bro um, <laughs> so um, but I managed to get into Thanos pretty quick and into his head and into the storyline really quick. But um, strange, I was just kind of paralyzed by jumping from Jason's book into my book. And it finally took a friend of mine telling me if they want, if they wanted Jason Aaron's voice on this, they would have Jason Aaron do it. But they want your voice on it, and they don't want Jason's. Doctor Strange, they want your Doctor Strange. To which I replied, oh, I'm pretty sure they want Jason Aaron's Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure Jason just elected to go and do some bigger, more baller shit. <laughs> uh, but I'll, I, I am a poor substitute for that man, and I'm happy to do it. Um, so I eventually just had to tap into it and just be like, this is, you know, I had to kind of take a very... Um, I don't know, quasi-confrontational tone with myself, where I was like, this is my book now. It's like, the sanctum <laughs> is mine now. <laughs> you know, this is my house now. So I, you know, I I hope to, oh, and that's not to speak of, I'm not even, I'm not even getting to, like, the bigger overarching paralysis, which is, this is a, character that Ditko and Stan Lee created in 1963 like you kidding me like that's a whole other level of terrified (laughs) that's a longer level of terrified man and I um I have a Marvel subscription to like the app all the comics and everything so I have just been going bananas reading all the all the Jim Starlin Thanos and all like the classic runs on Strange and stuff and you know at the end of the day though you have to separate yourself and while you while you work to honor these characters you have to separate and say this is my house now and it's up to me to to tell this story and it's up to me to steer this ship you know or run it aground you know so so um it's been really stressful uh i should say it was really stressful um like the first issue of both of those books i wrote in a stage of fear and paralysis. Then <laughs> after that first issue was over, man, I gotta tell you, like I loosened up a lot and really found my groove, and I feel really comfortable writing those books now. Um, and I and I should take a moment to say that my fear and you know trepidation and stuff uh, did not at all, in any way, shape, or form, come from Marvel. 
editorial teams or Axel or anything. In fact, quite the opposite. Um, Axel and Jordan White, who's my editor on Thanos, and Nick Lowe, who's my editor on Strange, those guys, all three of them, at different times, told me, hey, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> like, just take a breath. Like, you're fine. We're all on your team. You're fine. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> They're like, just stop. Just take a breath. Like, you're good, dude. Like, we want you to write this. Just do your best. They're so, like, do you need to do you know, some trust falls? Like, come on. Like, we got you, dude. <laughs> That's cool. So I gotta, I gotta ask. Speaking of, speaking of Jordy, when are we gonna see Necklands? <laughs> this is the crossover uh, I want to see. Dude, that was so funny. Because <laughs> okay, Redlands is is legit baller, and I would be saying that if Jordy wasn't one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, I went out and bought it the day it came out, um, and was legitimately just like enthralled. Like I really loved it. Yeah. Um, city uh we we talked for a little for a short while um i doubt she remembers me but she's so nice and so wonderful and that book is brilliant and i'm gonna say it because the review hasn't come out yet but when this comes out it will have come out mountain of marshmallows we reviewed it and oh my gosh there isn't i it was perfect it was perfect ultimate book perfect there really is I forget how it came up, but there was some 
someone made a joke about a crossover between Redneck and Red and Redland, and so I just immediately went to my favorite program on my computer besides Word, which is uh, Microsoft Paint. Uh, <laughs> the best program that I am the most um, uh, adept at. And to um, think they were going to take it off of the next round of Windows updates. To think uh, those from idiots. My cold, dead hand. Right. <laughs> right? Um, and um, yeah, so I made that little logo. That was a combination of our of our two logos. And uh, I have to say, it turned out great. Like, it looked yeah. <laughs> like they look really great together. Like I was surprised when I put it in there, and I like sized it all up. I was like, you know. And then as soon as I made that logo and put it on Twitter, that's when I was like, you know what? That's not actually a bad idea. <laughs> I'm just saying, free comic book day comes around every year, and like, pff, nerds yeah, like that shit. Point. Yeah, that'd yeah, be great. I mean, the wedding of a vampire and a witch. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think that what Jordy and I discussed privately in a DM, because I, I DM'd her and I was like, hey, you know, this isn't that crazy of an idea, actually. <laughs> like, it was kind of, like, we're. <laughs> Like, we're playing different songs, but they're not in two dissimilar keys, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that, um, I think it's safe to say that um, if you keep reading both books, they might allude to each other uh, cool. uh, at a certain point. That's I'm just awesome. saying Bartlett did go on many travels, and uh, I'm ch- what am I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, he's been around the block, could have run into some oh, badass witches. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think I've actually stated on this year's podcast that I have a hard and firm rule that there will never be any werewolves yeah. in Redneck. <laughs> but I'm open to witches. I mean, because that's not really that far-fetched. I mean, in a world that already has vampires, I mean, a witch, like, because, like, you kind of have to already take a kind of magical leap to get to vampires anyway. Like, mm-hmm. if you have vampires, you kind of, if so facto, have magic. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it it really it really I can see it being a very natural thing if it were to happen. Um, I really don't. I think that it could happen in a way that wouldn't derail either book. Like you know, if if vampires showed up in The Walking Dead, it would probably derail both books. You know. Um, but I don't know. Redlands is uh, intriguing. So no promises right now. But uh, I don't think anything w- would make Jordy and I happier. But you know, it's funny. Um, someone on Twitter was like, um, um, oh my God, you and Donnie should totally do a book together at some point. I know you're both busy, but you should do that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, well, as a matter of fact, (laughs) actually, there's this little indie book called Dr. Strange. (laughs) I don't know if you've heard of the publisher. It's Marvell. Have you heard of them? Yeah, they're, they're up and coming. They're, you know, I feel like I need to go home and write some Necklands fan fiction now. I feel like as soon as we hang up, I'm just going to be like, oh my gosh, nerd typing on my computer. Awesome. Just like, and honestly, Necklands is a pretty cool sounding title. It's, it's not bad. It's not. It's not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. So, it'd, be uh, a great, it'd, be, it'd be great if you were, like, literally if someone was writing speculative erotic fiction about a witch and a vampire. Necklands would be a great title for that. Oh, I thought it was implied my fanfiction will, in fact, be erotic. Like, there's no there's no getting around that. Like, is is that not just the standard bar for fanfiction? 
Yeah, that's the baseline. Okay, cool, cool. Awesome. <laughs> so now we've we've talked about this this Marvel nonsense. Let's get to the nitty gritty. Uh, a tomahawk. Yeah. A tomahawk. Oh my gosh! Out. I'm so excited for people to know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm so excited. Uh, yay! Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's coming in a collection, an issue zero. You've you've dubbed it. Yep. Uh, that's pretty soon too, right? It's like October. Now, can can I have you clarify something for me? I thought I saw something where uh, a tomahawk is going to be coming out in it, Image Plus. In Image Plus, is that correct? Yeah. So uh, the tomahawk number zero is the collection of all of the previously published stories, mm-hmm. um, plus like so many extras. Oh, good. There's, it's really it's structured like a tomahawk magazine, meaning that there will be, like, the first story and then, like, a gallery of, like, tattoos and then, like, the second story and then, like, some sketches and designs and then the third story and then, um, like, an interview with Ian where he breaks down all, like, the little hidden things and, like, the story behind the costumes and things like that. So it's going to be a really, um, really kind of fun experience, an overall kind of introduction into the world um, of, of, uh, of a tomahawk. And then right after that, in the pages of Image Plus, the saga, the saga of the Cyberzerker continues um, in an installment of stories in the back of that that will run uh, for the foreseeable future. So um, that was that was actually my my next question here, Donnie, uh, because I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't read it, but y'all need to read it. Um, the end of a tomahawk, like things were looking a little, little different for Zerk there, and so I, my question, they were. So my question was, are we going to see Zerk continuing on in his adventures, or are we going to see maybe somebody else bring up the mantle of the tomahawk? Because um, in talking to to Betterman, like you know, yeah. there's a whole background. I'm just saying that was my question, and you've kind uh-huh. of you've answered and it for me. The answer to your question is yes. <laughs> okay, perfect. Oh, that, that's a really exciting answer. Yes. Uh, we will see uh, the, the uh, a, a Cyber Zerker rising. Uh, we will see other people uh, in control of his sacred blade. Uh, we will see Zerk's quest to get his blade back. We will see him, uh, I think the most important thing that happens in the first few um, installments of Image Plus, not to give too much away, is we will see um, a time in Cyber Zerker's life that is pre-Atomahawk. Yes! Oh, I'm sorry. And like, I've got so many theories. A, it's... Another way to phrase that would be the origin of the Cyber Zerker. Yes. Um, but I guess you'll have to read and find out. Oh, yeah. Uh, the pages in the back of Image Plus are going to be a little bit different from what you traditionally seen as well because uh they will not be uh fully painted by ian oh uh, really they they will be colored by jason wordy from god oh Country. he's so good oh nice yeah uh, That's awesome. and they look they look beautiful uh it, it it's very weird to see ian's bizarre art colored by somebody um but it looks crazy it looks great um and the saga of Cyber Zerker, the Tomahawk, and his imprisoned god continues uh, monthly uh, in the back of Image Plus magazine. 
Um, I think we're we just rounded third on like the fourth installment right now. Um, and then there's plans that if I were to tell you, you wouldn't even believe them. Uh, <laughs> beyond that, um, so uh, uh, hmm. you know what? I'm gonna give you a little something. All right. Understandable, but oh my gosh! But you're gonna you're gonna flip out. Find out who it is. Oh, I can't wait. I have one guess, but I'm not gonna say it. But yeah, don't say anything. I'm not saying anything. I I won't be able to contain my response if we get it right. <laughs> okay, but like Justin, like maybe maybe you tell, tell it to you me after. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's so exciting! It's hard to refocus. I know. I'm like, I'm like, oh wait, but that's so cool. How many? Uh, one question I had on a tomahawk in the back of Image Plus. How many pages is each issue going to be? Uh, each installment in the back of Image Plus is uh, four pages. Okay. Uh, okay. A little bit shorter, but um, they're they're a little bit more focused. Um, in that, how do I say this? We're leading up to something. We're building to something uh, that's going to be pretty rad. Um, it's also monthly, whereas the installments, uh, the previous installments were, um, you know, eight to ten pages. They came out, you know, every, what was it, like three months or so? Yeah, there was um, at least three in between. Yeah, so you're going to be getting them, you know, every month, uh, but it'll be, be, it'll be a little bit smaller. That's understandable because the way Ian paints that whole thing is Well, insane. yeah, but it's going to be colored by somebody else, so... But, like, Ian's technique <laughs> well, is, like... You guys also have to understand that, 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 unlike the rest of us, Ian also has a real day job. Yeah. He does. Like, it, tattooing people every day, you know, so... And in, um, and in talking really to him, it, it it's he, so much slower for him to draw. Right. Oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. No, I was going to say, Ian is, Ian is working, like, crazy right now. He's having a great time. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the homeboy's got to go and, you know, <laughs> tattoo people and stuff so um but you know we're gearing up for something pretty big um and so this, this is all just laying the groundwork uh not to say that these are not incomplete stories mind you these are these are um very complete stories that are very satisfying but just everyone please keep in mind that we are we're moving up to a next level of <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know how to say that no uh I can't wait, man. It's so cool. I can't wait to to yeah to have more people know what it is and and like be able to talk about it more. Because like getting Ian on the cover for uh, Heavy Metal two eighty six, like having a Tomahawk on there, that worked like wonders for our our uh, our listeners on on the YouTube channel. They suddenly are all the Tomahawk fans now. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, you're you're breaking up a little bit when you just said that last thing. Sorry. 
Oh no! So I was just saying, I'm excited to have people know what I'm what I'm talking about when I ran rave about a tomahawk, and <laughs> it worked. It worked really well having Ian get the cover for the last uh, issue on heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ian Ian just done another cover for a thing that's really cool. Uh, we'll probably get the reveal for here pretty soon. Um, I am also really excited to see what people think because there's a whole different audience out there who primarily in, in the image kind of spheres, the whole type of uh, audience who primarily know me for God Country and Redneck. Um, and then, you know, probably by the time the stories start, people who know me for Anos and Doctor Strange and that kind of thing. And a tomahawk is just so different mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> than anything I've ever done. And I'm very interested to see how people respond to that um, kind of different aesthetic that happens when Ian and I I will say what Cameron, who's also on the show with us every once in a while, uh, he always likes to mention how how when he puts the suggested books on people's lists, anybody who signed up for God Country gets Redneck, whoever signed up for Redneck gets Baby Teeth, and any time he's like, oh yeah, it's an optional, but it, it's by this guy, nobody ever turns it down. They're mm-hmm. always like, oh yeah, no, I'll take that. Let's let's put it on the list. And well, so I have to say, separating myself from myself. <laughs> if I were just a reader of comics uh, and, and didn't write the books I wrote, and I was a fan of God Country and Red Knight, and then I saw, without any more information than just the word a tomahawk, <laughs> I'd be on board too. Yeah. I it mean, attracts a certain type of reader. the title of a comic book of all time. I have to agree. The tomahawk is amazing. <laughs> that's, that's all Ian. I'm still, yeah, I'm still... Waiting to put me into work on my arm, so we'll see how that goes. Got to, got to. Just fly down there. He's, At this point, it'll be cheaper. I've <laughs> tried to convince the wife of that one. <laughs> I've been like, I'll, I'll ask Donnie if I can stay with him. She's like, You're not asking Donnie that. And I'm like, no. It's because that's not happening. <laughs> what we, what we'd like to do, our big dream, and this is very, very complicated because of licenses and stuff. What we'd like to do is have um, Ian set up like, at the image booth and get people, get a list beforehand and just stay there tattooing at the image booth and giving a tomahawk ta- tattoos for a show. That'd be cool. Um, I would die. But it, it's really tough to pull off. It's not impossible. Um, we've looked into it, but there's all kind of like, you know, the government's weird about like health code stuff yeah. um, when you're like stabbing people at a comic con. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, As a person like, who gets to assess tattoos yes. with like in, you know Trump your health care you know yeah <laughs> they're pretty serious about it some dudes like <laughs> name the fda or whatever they're they when they it's get sticks at their butts dude. so you know um so yeah lots more tomahawk news to come i feel like almost every day there's some sort of a new tomahawk thing that's happening um and so like honestly like off the top of my head there's so much stuff in the pipeline that, like, there's going to be so much a tomahawk coming over the next few years uh, in different forms, in different, um, yeah, all kinds of different forms and by different writers. And uh, uh, so, yeah, uh, stay tuned. Cool. Um, so we're a few issues into Baby Teeth now. Oh, so man. last time we, we got you on this show, it, it wasn't even announced yet, so we didn't get to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then... We chatted with you on our live stream for like four hours about it, but <laughs> um, 
what is there anything new developing that you can tell us now that we're three issues in? So we've seen the demon raccoon already. Yeah, there's things that are heating up in that book. Um, you know, Baby Teeth is always going to be kind of a slow burn. Um, it was always going to be, you know, um, I don't want to want to compare it to Lost necessarily because Lost never paid anything off really. Um, but it's kind of that same kind of puzzle box kind of a thing, you know. It's um, constant hints, constant clues, constant um, revelations and uh, things that maybe uh, you didn't see coming based on, you know, uh, previously conceived notions about Antichrist stories, you know, um, which was all kind of the plan, you know. The idea of announcing a book and the plot of it being, you know, a 16-year-old girl gives birth to Antichrist, I was very well aware that when that when that book was announced, there was going to be a lot of voices that came out and said, well, we've seen that story, you know, and we've seen how those things happen, and I know how this thing is going to go, and nothing delighted me more than being able to sit back and look at those things and be like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You have, you have no idea what's coming. Like, you, have, you have absolutely no clue what's about to happen. Um, and, you know, that's really... Um, credit to the team of Aftershock of uh, Mike Mark and Lee Kramer and Joe Pruitt and all the guys who saw my original pitch and trusted me enough to to, to start kind of going down this road. Um, what's happening in David Teeth right now is that uh, there's an assassin named Sydney, um, codenamed the Prairie Wolf, who is slowly but surely making her way um, to Sadie and Sadie's baby, Clark, who may or may not be the Antichrist. Um, meanwhile, Heather uh, has gone off in search of um, Clark's biological father um, and has found him, but perhaps not in the state that she had anticipated. Right. Um, and, that was um, very Sadie well done. A real tough time because Sadie has just figured out that Clark drinks blood and uh, needs blood to live. Okay. Um, he started to reject milk um, as he kind of evolved. Um, that's a key word, evolved. Um, uh, and Sadie is really struggling to take care of him in the most literal sense. She cannot give him what he needs. She cannot produce enough blood to um, satiate him. I was going to say, because uh, after like six days, this girl is done. <laughs> yeah. Hospitable towards these things. These 
are very relatable things to any new parent. Um, I've always said that the, the kind of the metaphor of the book is that like, you know, um, you know, raising a baby is hell. And so every different in every different problem that parents uh, come into contact with when they're raising a kid is just magnified, the, you know, a billion percent with the added, you know, problem of the Antichrist. Where we're going to be going and raised is a different ballgame entirely. Um, we're going to start dealing with the broader, more global implication of such an event like this and seeing just how far-reaching that kind of thing is. And we're going to be introducing um, at least one new character that I'm really excited for everyone to meet. Um, and uh, what else can I say about this? Um, yeah, Raised is a lot of fun. Um, raised is uh, heartbreaking. Uh, the end of the end of Born, before I get too, ahead, too far ahead of myself, is um, very heartbreaking, very very uh, cruel. Um, you know, but it's an ongoing story. Um, not gonna say that everyone's always gonna make it out or make it out in one piece. Um, but you know, it, it, just like raising a kid, um, maybe it is ongoing. And uh, the Ritters are just going to keep on doing the absolute best they can uh, in a world kind of literally designed to murder them before uh, Sadie's baby murders all of them. Um, so one of the things that I find very interesting about the book is that on paper, like, the silhouette and the assassins are the good guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they're trying to stop the apocalypse. They're trying to kill an antichrist. But in the way that it's written, you so want them to fail. You so don't want them to achieve their thing. You know, um, and uh, that's going to be something that we're going to be kind of exploring as we go along, the kind of subjective morality of the whole thing and, like, just how far Sadie's willing to take this thing and, and just how naive... Sadie is going to be as she goes along. You know, right now, Sadie is very much in the camp of there's nothing wrong with my baby, really. He's different. And there's, yeah, there's some challenges, but, you know, everything's okay and he's a good boy. Yeah. And anyone who reads that book will immediately recognize that sentiment as insane. <laughs> like, Sadie is just not seeing the world as it really is, you know? Um, and, you know, luck luckily enough, her partner in crime in this whole thing, her older sister, Heather, is just the perfect amount of psychologically damaged to go ahead with all of this stuff. Oh, yeah, um, she is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Heather is one of my favorite characters I've ever written. Heather, um, you know, it's kind of, I was, I was talking to Mike Mark about this in, um, that anyone that was, has ever watched Breaking Bad knows that story about how Jesse Pinkman was supposed to, like, die in the first season, and then they saw um, the actor playing him and fell in love with him and started to see how that character was evolving and really wanted to follow him. And um, not that Heather was ever going to die in, like, the first arc or anything, um, but as I started to write Heather, I really, really, really started to care for her quite a bit and started to really think about how she ticks and think about how she's put together and what would have made her like that, you know? Um, and so I don't know if anyone's noticed, but as you read that book, Heather's kind of taken a more central role 
than she ever did in the first issue, and that's that's quite on purpose. Um, You know, I've heard uh, I heard one critique of the book um, that said that Sadie, for all intents, being the main character of the book, is rather inactive in the book. A lot of things happen to her and around her, but she is not exactly uh, an engaged protagonist, and that's very intentional um, because. While I don't have children myself, my family has just um, welcomed some new babies in our life and everything, and that is, from from what I can tell, and from talking to my sister-in-law and everything, that's kind of how it feels, man. It kind of feels like you're out of control and that you're no longer the main character in your own storyline, you know? That's Um, a good way to look at it. The baby takes the central track, and the people around you start to help in ways that you're not able to, you know, um, Sadie is doing the best job that she can in the role that she has been given and that she has chosen, which is as a mother and she's protecting Clark the way she, the only way she can. And yeah, she's a little bit different of a protagonist because Sadie is not going to leap into action with a machine gun. She's just not going to. She's not that kind of character. She's got a baby to take care of. She can't go get shot. Uh -uh. Nuh-uh. Nobody's going to fight for that baby if she's not there. You know, and and if something like that were to ever happen, it's going to have to be earned. It's going to have to be a very slow rising of that type of a character. You know, as, as they are faced with more and more and bigger and bigger threats, yeah, Sadie is going to be thrust into a different kind of life than she's ever had before. But it would be irresponsible and kind of lazy of me as a storyteller to make her that character right now. You know? Um, yeah. It's it's something that I look forward to seeing and it's something that I really look forward to earning with her. You know? Uh, and who knows if we'll ever get there. But, I mean, you got to think, man, this is not a story of Sadie being your, the reader's, hero. She is Clark's hero. And that's the difference, right? She is Clark's superhero. She is the person who, who, who gave up her entire life to make sure that he was okay. And that is the kind of superhero that she is. And she's a, so in that respect, yeah, she's a little bit different than the kind of type of protagonist that you've ever seen. But her job is... Um, is different than, you know, Spider-Man or Punishers, right? Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a different track, but you stay tuned. Like, hang in there. Like, things are going to, believe me, you will not be at a lack for action and uh, cold-blooded shit and over-the-top, act, like, like uh, you know, supernatural events. That's so, awesome. Yeah, just hang in there. My mind's just trying to wrap around Sadie being... Superman's hero, essentially, because yeah. she named Clark after Superman, and the fact that Superman is is the Antichrist in the story <laughs> makes sense to me, dude. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It's cool to think Real, about the it. Whole that book way. Is, the, the, the whole book does have this kind of undercurrent of a nature versus nurture type of a thing, you know. So, right. like on one hand, you have a lot of people who are sitting around in dark rooms talking about. The fact that Clark is this one thing because of, you know, by um, by the situations of his birth, 
right, you have someone like Sadie who is just a genuinely good, peaceful, loving person who's never wanted to hurt anybody, who loves comic books and emo punk bands <laughs> and has just wanted to live her life and is very much in the camp of, no, my son is going to be whoever my son is because of how I raise him and who he ends up being as a man. Like, he's not going to be anything that anyone wants him to be except for who he wants to be. And right now, I am in control of that until I'm not. You know? And so right. she's just doing the best job she can. Oh, that's cool. You stole my next question that I was going to steal from your wife, which was about your inspiration for writing a 16-year-old pregnant girl. Well, um, yeah, you know, I mean, my mom plays, uh, my mom is a very looming figure in my life. Uh, she's um, the person that kind of informed a great deal of who I am today as a man and someone that I, can, I constantly look up to in my life. My mom had me when she was not much older than Sadie. Um, and my mom and my dad, while my brother and I were growing up, they both worked at Southwest Airlines. And when I was eight years old, and my brother was 10, my mom quit her job, went back to community college, then went to college, then went to law school, and is now one of the most respected attorneys in Texas. Um, and she did all of those things while still coming home and cooking for her two baby boys and still being like the most phenomenal mom of all time, and very much instilled in me from a very early age that like there's nothing standing in your way that you can accomplish anything you want um, if you just work your ass off for it and, and chase what you want to do and my brother and I both have carried that into our lives as um, husbands and, and, and fathers in his, in his case and um, I had just when I started to pitch Baby Teeth I was in the middle of writing God Country, and I had just started writing Redneck, and I was writing about a lot of men, and I was writing a lot of, a, a lot of heavily masculine stories about family, and family from a viewpoint of, of, of men, of fathers, God Country especially, just yeah. an out and out kind of ode to my own father, um, and I started thinking about it, and started thinking about family from a different track, and started thinking about my own mom, and really wanted to write about that, really wanted to write about the feminine point of view, and what that looks like in, in relation to family, and, and what that kind of, um, what that can bring to a family and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I really wanted to write about that, and um, the more I wrote the pitch for Baby Teeth, it all just kind of started coalescing, and before I knew it, I had kind of planned the whole thing out from beginning, middle, and end. Um, and that's why the book is told from a story. It's not really a story, right? It's a message that Sadie is leaving or recording for her son in the future. Mm -hmm. But by that, by that kind of thing, it is, to me, it's a bedtime story read to a child when they're going to sleep, you know, which is something that my mom used to do for me, not to get too sappy or anything, but, like, um, it is very gentle and very calming and very like what even 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 while there's these insane things going on try and keep that in mind i try and keep that in mind of like this is a mother talking to her son 
you know, and how, you know, if you notice when you read the book, there's things that are visually happening on screen that Sadie's captions gloss over that oh, Sadie yeah. doesn't tell you about. Um, it's because she's talking to Clark and she's not talking to you. <laughs> and in her version of this story to Clark, she's trying not to scare him. And she's trying to, she knows that she needs to tell him this information. And she said that she's not going to lie to him, but there's just some things that he doesn't need to know. And there's just some things that are only going to hurt him. And so she's trying to do her best. And, and that kind of narrative structure is really fun for me. You know, um, one of the things that it does is that it, it, it kind of forces her to refer to characters in the past tense. And so as a reader, you never know what that past tense implies. Right. You mm-hmm. never know if that means they're gone or if she's just using a past tense because she's telling a story in the future. And so it's really fun for me to keep people off their off their guard. Um, so, I don't know, it's a really, despite it being about the Antichrist and about a baby who drinks blood and about assassins and, and things like this, um, it is the most gentle book that I do and it is the most loving book that I do. Um, and so in that respect, I really, I really, really, really enjoy writing it quite a bit and I'm, I'm very happy to hear that people um, have responded to it in the way they have. That's super awesome, man. Um, you told us about this kind of being your dark tower, and we get to see the first bit of that in issue two with reference to Ghost Fleet um, with, with the silhouette um, and using that as a segue, just pointing that out because it's cool, but like also what's cool is Ghost Fleet's getting collected uh, the whole damn thing you're, you're dubbing it. The whole goddamn thing. The whole goddamn thing. I love that. Um, what can you tell us about that? Because I saw that amongst the extras is going to be the alternate ending that was originally well, meant you know, to be. What's funny is that the alternate ending is the one that you guys read. So what will actually be in there is the original <laughs> ending, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, so I had always wanted a collection of all of Ghost Fleet. I always thought that it would really read very well as one big collected thing. And even... Way back in the day when I first started writing it at, at Dark Horse, um, I wanted to call it the whole goddamn thing. <laughs> um, and, and it's such an apt title now for anyone who knows the history of that book. Um, Ghost Fleet had, a, had complications at birth, yeah. if you will. Um, and so now calling it that is so satisfying because it, it reads more as like fucking here. <laughs> like, like here we fucking here's this thing like you know um so yeah i mean there's gonna be a lot of extras we didn't really ever have a lot of opportunity to include uh designs and sketches and things of that nature in the back of the two trades because you know the series sold so low in single issues you know and and we didn't really have a whole lot of uh, uh room or bandwidth to include those kinds of things so for this collection which will be like the final collection of all time. It really does just close the book on 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 Ghost Fleet forever. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna include my script um, <sighs> because, to be perfectly honest, um, by the time, okay, so we knew it was gonna be canceled right when I was turning in like issue 11 or 12, uh-huh. and. 
I had to go back. No, no, no. It was issue 11. And we knew it was going to be cut to eight issues. And so I, I asked our editor, I said, hey, can I, can I go, can I, will you allow me to go back and rewrite issues, the seven and eight, so that we can actually get a concrete ending so that fans aren't just left in the wind. You know, so it actually does come to a, to a, to a close. And he said, if you think you can do that, absolutely do it. Um, what he also said, though, was um, I would encourage you to turn in issue 12, though, anyway, even though it's not going to come out because we can still pay you for it because contractually we got we asked for 12 issues, right? right. So mm-hmm. issue 12, I knew it was never going to be published. <laughs> and I knew that really only my editor was going to read it. So I'm not exaggerating whatsoever when I tell you that it it's it's a bunch of truckers like meeting up in the desert and stuff, this big grand battle, and then fucking vampire slayer shows up, and <laughs> uh, and, then, and then I think the X Men show up. <laughs> uh, I literally I just had to write I literally just had to write 22 pages on a script and turn it in, so I get paid for it. So I'm not going to include the actual script because they are uh, illegal. Um, but I'm going to write, I'm going to tell the story in the back of it. I'm going to tell the story of the book's inception and uh, what happened to it and why the thing that you just read is the way it is. And then I am going to say, but this is how it, sh- it was originally planned. And I'm going to just write it all out long. That's so, awesome. Uh, so yeah, that'll be in the back of it. Can't wait, man. It's so funny though on Twitter and Facebook uh, when that when the whole goddamn thing was announced. There were so many people that was like, uh, or, or that were like, um, "Wow, you and Daniel Johnson did a book together. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. so awesome!" <laughs> like, like, yeah. Where where were you three years ago? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I think I saw and that it's, too. It's, it's so gratifying though to see that you know how well Dan's doing mm-hmm. and you know that we both ended up finding audiences you know yeah, totally. um, and so to be able to bring this thing together and to bring and bring it to image um, so that it gets some more eyeballs on it and everything is really 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 gratifying yeah that's gotta be nice and you get to do the same thing with like I was pointing out to somebody the other day I can't even remember who it is but um, like Every single piece of your previous work is coming out in trade very soon. Yeah, because uh, yeah, you're... that was the thing that happened when um, when God Country was wrapping up. Um, you know, I think I've stated previously that Eric Stevenson, who's uh, the president of Image, um, we had a big long conversation about the idea of um, keeping God Country going as an ongoing, and that was something that Image really wanted and. You know, um, we didn't want that. We we had a story we wanted to tell. We wanted to end it, and uh, Eric really respected that choice. And um, you know, everyone at Image really respected that choice. And um, but like a day after that, Eric emailed me and said, "Well, hey, what about um, what about we just publish like everything you've ever done, though? Just like repackage it and put it out there? Would you be into that?" And I was like, "Hell yeah, I'd be into that, dude." Hell yeah! So it's like a, it's like it's kind of rewriting history for me because 
still love everyone over there. I will say, every book that I ever did at Dark Horse, I did pitch to Image first. Hmm. Uh, I, I, say, I say first, that's not really accurate. I pitched to everyone at the same time, you know? <laughs> um, and Dark Horse was just the, the, the people who, you know, thank God, um, uh, said yes and, and fit, you know? Um, so it is kind of kind of cool, you know? Because um, it doesn't take anything away from Dark Horse either, because those volumes will always still exist. So yeah. I get to have the best of all possible worlds. I get to have my Dark Horse trades, the people who first took a chance on me and supported me, and then I get to have these, these really cool image trades too to expose it to a, a, a whole new uh, set of readership, you know? So it's all it's all really cool, man. I'm all very excited about it. And the Buzzkill trade is beautiful too. I just got the proof back on it uh, today. It looks great. Isn't it? Uh, I believe I heard somewhere. Isn't it true that uh, Jeff, like you, had to keep the original uh, cover for the trade because Jeff refuses to draw uh, characters that he's done drawing. Like once yeah, the story's well, done. That was so um, cool. That was but, uh, so freaking cool. and 
continuing Valifax's journey. Uh, because Valifax is very much a character that can exist in kind of any story. Yeah. Uh, so I'm treating them all as canon. I am treating it as canon right now that after the events of God Country, Gert found Valifax <laughs> and went and traded it for a recipe. <laughs> That's so like, cool. That is canon. That happened. That's awesome. I'm so down with this. And if we ever, if we ever bring Valifax back, if we ever do anything else ever again, I am 100% going to have Valifax say, like, yeah, there's this one time this, this little girl traded me for a recipe. Like, <laughs> another time, that blah, blah, blah. So I really like to, to, to encourage image creators, if they need a dope sword, well, let me know. Uh, <laughs> Valifax is everywhere. That's so awesome. That's fantastic. I bet you uh, there's probably this artist guy named Ian Betterman that could like use him, you know, could use Valifax. Man, yeah. I would really like to do a cover someday that's um, Valifax versus a Tomahawk. Oh, man. Uh, even, though, even though that debate has been uh, resoundly settled. Right. We settled <laughs> that. We settled that upon your announcement. Um, mm-hmm. Goddamn but- right. You know, you know of my my commission by Daniel Warren Johnson of Valifax, the way he drew it, it's facing a direction, and I've I've thought long and hard about it, a tomahawk commission facing the other way, so I can hang uh, it on the wall. Yeah, that would totally work. You should do that. Yeah, you actually totally should. I yeah. like legit. For it's real. gonna happen someday. I just gotta decide what artist I want to do the tomahawk. You need to get a mantle so you can put them over the mantle. Yeah. Yeah. Make that happen. <laughs> yeah. I've honestly thought uh, if he ever comes to another con that I go that I'm going to be at, the Jeff Shaw Tomahawk would be dope. That's the move. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, Dude. now I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so yeah, we didn't talk much about God Country. It's the the last few times we've talked to you about it, it wasn't it wasn't done yet. So now it's done. So uh-huh. we can we can really talk about it. Uh, bro, All the tears, bro. It made me cry. All the tears. <laughs> Every tear. <laughs> I can I can honestly say it's the first comic work that that brought me to tears. What? Oh, that's so that's, uh, that's that's adorable. Very nice to hear, man. Thank you. It was that issue six. <laughs> the that one, you know, splash page. You know so, what I'm yeah, talking we about. We all know what you're talking about, Justin. Uh, we all know page. the that's everything what, page. Internally, the the God Country team always called it the everything page. The everything. Oh page. my gosh. Yeah. So like heartbreaking, yeah, I but like. Entire book The entire book was always leading up to that. Oh man, I'm getting teary just thinking about it. I'm not gonna it's, lie. It's, it's like it cuts so, fresh. Yeah. So, so I'm glad that you brought that up because issue six was my answer to everyone that was like, "Make it into an ongoing." Right. Make it into an ongoing, and I was always like, "Just, just wait. Just please, mm-hmm. please, please, please read issue six, and then." come and tell me you want that story to keep on going like you don't right like no. It's no like there's nothing else that ever needs to be said no you stuck that landing you told the story that was meant to be told and it is definitive and now gert can hang out with valifax uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. see valifax can live on yeah yeah i mean you know if we ever did anything else with with that it would absolutely be um Valifax would be the only returning character. 
Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then really even at that point, what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. like, it kind of loses the whole point because it was never about a sword. No. It was mm-hmm. never about God. It was never about any of that shit. You know, um, and I, 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 I love the idea that it's now a book that is collected into one format that you can just give to somebody and say, "This is the whole thing." You know, this is the beginning and and the end and it just it can just exist by itself you know Mm -hmm. i'm glad that uh you got to tell the story that you wanted to tell and i i haven't heard anybody complain about it since issue six came out everybody loved it so yeah me neither all of those complaints about it being ongoing were were resoundly quieted at least on my twitter timeline well um we don't want to keep you uh and we've kind of talked about all your your current series that are announced. So uh, yeah. Uh, well, um, there's uh, you know I, I the the next round of announcements uh, won't be until uh, early next year or so. So for now, um, everybody just enjoy uh, <laughs> Baby Teeth and Redneck and uh, Reactor, which drops in October, along with Thanos. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to Jeff Shaw. Um, and then the month after that, uh, a bold new journey uh, with Doctor Strange begins. Mm-hmm. And um, much more, much more uh, art to be shared. I guess that's the next thing that people to look out for. We're going to start um, dropping pieces of art from Strange and Thanos. I already dropped one panel snippet yes, from Thanos. Um which is, to, in, in this man's opinion, baller. <laughs> that that one panel Jeff turned in like a batch of like ten pages, and that that one panel is like one panel on a page that is just huge and beautiful. There's a lot of stuff going on in it, but just his depiction of Thanos in that one panel, I immediately emailed my editors and were like, "Hey, can I can I please just show this? Can I please just show this one drawing of Thanos because I think it's." To me, one of the coolest just it was one a, panels of Thanos ever. It's so cool. It was iconic, um, in my opinion. It, it looked uh, like the iconic Thanos. Yeah. I mean, what uh, Jeff is doing some phenomenal work. I can't wait for everybody to see it. So, yeah. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. And um, and also pick up a Tomahawk and the yes. collection of God, uh, uh, Ghost Fleet and Buzzkill. And um, uh, I think I have one more announcement this year um and then everything else will be next year nice well thanks for coming on as always uh always a pleasure uh-huh. we appreciate it well of course thank you for having me i'm gonna keep on doing this until you guys tell me to stop coming around dude that, that no would be, way that would be never <laughs> i could we could technically like have moved on from coco and i would bring it back just to keep interviewing you about <laughs> All right, thanks, man. You have a good night. All right, buddy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Always a pleasure talking to that gentleman. Oh, my gosh, he's so cool. He is. I just feel so awkward. <laughs> I'm just like, man, like, I'm not cool enough to talk to this person. He's definitely a very cool person, you're right. Um, so, yeah, guys, go support all those books that he just said. He actually didn't, he forgot to mention one of his own uh, collections coming out, Interceptors co- coming Interceptor out. Interceptor is coming in out. In trade. He did mention um, Reactor, though. Reactor's yeah, coming out. Which, 
get Interceptor if you didn't read it. Read okay. it and then fucking get read Because you're going to want to be prepped. Like, I'm 100% sure you will be able to jump in. You won't want to jump in. You want to go back and read Interceptor. Yeah. Um, like, you heard me mention earlier the tagline from from near the end of, of uh, Interceptor, or really the end, is shit gets fucking metal. Uh, shit was metal. Like, it just... <laughs> it, don't get it twisted. It was metal the whole time. It was fucking awesome. And uh, it's... Like I've I've already I mentioned this this week somewhere as well. Uh, shit keeps coming up, but I like I can't definitively pick my favorite Donny Cates series. But man, Interceptor and a Tomahawk always make like a big argument. As beautiful as as God Country is, and like as awesome and funny as Paybacks and Buzzkill are, and Ghost Fleet's fucking dope. I love them all. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't definitively pick one, but that one's always up there for me. It's hard, man. It's freaking hard. Definitely. So, um, yeah, the talent has definitely left the building, guys. We won't keep you long. Um, but thanks for listening. Uh, always great having Donnie on. And I know people really enjoy these interviews with him because he's such a natural storyteller who, like, makes our job easy. We just go like, hey, what about this book that you're writing? And then he he, ma- he makes it worthwhile to, to stick around after that. <laughs> yeah, he does. So uh, thank you to Donnie for coming on. For our third time, I'm dubbing this the Donilogy. Oh my gosh! Yes, the Kates have never been higher. I I <laughs> I was gonna say I can't I can't wait for the the return of Donnie like Donnie's revenge. Yeah. Like, See, and that's the thing people don't realize, but this was episode four, five, and six of this of this series, and we're gonna go prequel next. <laughs> <laughs> next it will be the prequel. Next yeah. next time we'll just do nothing but talk about Buzzkill and yeah. Paybacks. We'll be like, oh man, what was it like riding in Dark Horse Presents? Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, Exclusive Marvel, nothing. <laughs> so uh, yeah, guys, go support his books. Uh, they're all great. I I promise you, as as somebody who's sampled every single one of them, uh, they're all good they're all amazing and worth your time and your money and yeah uh that's it i'm justin i'm ashley we'll see you guys next time bye hey there listeners thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode we invite you to check out our video reviews on youtube at the link in the description and ask that you support us here and on our various social media also in the links below and please support our guests as well by buying their books and following them on social media Again, we thank you very much, and stay thirsty.